0: Jill, thank you very much and uh, thanks for that very kind introduction and indeed thank you to all of you for inviting uh, Paul and myself to be with you this morning. We're delighted to have this opportunity. Can I just say I'm immensely proud of our team uh, at the Department of Health uh, and in Paul Burstow as Minister for Care Services, we have somebody who uh, you know has over the years demonstrated his understanding of and commitment to carers. Um, I feel like somebody from the AA ad, you know... I may not know the answers, but I know a man who does. Um, And indeed, can I just add, it's kind of you to welcome me here, but can I add a welcome to to those who come not only from around the United Kingdom, but indeed from around the world in order to be with us here this morning. Uh, I was told that we were going to be watched live uh, on Carers World Radio. I'm so old-fashioned to think it rather strange to be watched on the radio, but apparently by the wonders of the internet this is today possible. Um, So it's great to welcome people um, to the United Kingdom and I hope the debate that you have here is something that will not only help us to move forward the lives and the support for carers in this country but indeed right around the world. But of course as we debate the policy on care services and care support we have sometimes overlooked what a very personal thing it is. For each of us it's about the most important needs of those whom we love And those whom we care about the most. And indeed for everyone here today, or indeed those who are watching us, there is a different story, there is always a different set of needs, and there should therefore always be a different approach. But of course many of the challenges carers face often seem very similar as well. Many of us, indeed not just in this country but elsewhere, deal with social care systems that are deeply stressed that are derived from earlier, and I'm afraid sometimes often rather simpler times, that are struggling to provide the service that carers and those they care for deserve, and that often leave carers bearing a heavy, um, sometimes an excessive burden. So now we in in government, we know we have a duty to carers, uh, and for those whom they support, to provide a better system. And we know that the demands we face are only going to increase. Like so many other countries around the world, our population is rising and it is ageing. Today there are around 6 million adults in the United Kingdom providing unpaid care and support to family members or friends. That's one in 10. In 30 years' time, that number will be 9 million, a 50% increase. In England, more than a million people care and provide care for more than 50 hours per week. And a third of those carers are themselves over 65 years old. Already one in six carers, again a million people, have given up work to care. That situation is not going to get any easier that I described. Today, for every one person in retirement, there are four people working. In 20 years' time, that ratio will move to one to three. And at a time when we are trying to rebuild our economy that, and to reduce our deficit, this is a serious problem. Now of course it's time. We move beyond what Mary Webster uh, described in the early 1960s when she said carers were effectively under house arrest. We have to provide people the support they need so they can continue to lead the life they want. We have to give carers the tools to ensure that they can fulfil whatever they feel is right. Uh, in supporting their family members alongside their other commitments, whether that means working, looking after children or simply retaining a degree of independence. So in the programme, the coalition programme for the government, we enshrined our commitment to provide that support. How can we create the stronger, more flexible, sustainable system we need? The system must be reformed and in doing so, I want to be clear about the principles on which reform should be based. First, prevention. We must place renewed emphasis on keeping people as independent as possible for as long as they feel able, not least by providing earlier support. We've made some good progress on this. We've changed the rules already so that hospitals will be responsible not just for treatment in the hospital itself, but for patients for 30 days after discharge. Specifically because we need to integrate the care that is provided in a hospital with that that is provided in a community after treatment. But we need to do so much more in terms of home adaptations, telecare and telehealth, so that people feel um, and in the community know that from a very early point we are there alongside them, helping them to maximise their independence uh, at the moment they begin uh, to become vulnerable. Second principle, protection of safeguarding to ensure that people don't feel so exposed and isolated and alone when uh, the vulnerability uh, begins to happen to them. So they don't feel equally as protection, that they don't feel that everything that people have worked for through their lives can simply be lost as a consequence of what is in effect the arbitrary consequences uh, of illness and vulnerability. Third principle, partnership. We must ensure that patients, carers, families and communities can work together with the health care and support services so that services can respond to the whole picture of a family's circumstances rather than just considering each specific area of expertise or responsibility. And a partnership between families and the state. Balancing the primacy of a family's responsibility with the collective solidarity of state support. And fourth principle, personalisation. We must give people control of their own care so they can choose services that best meet their needs, so that the carers and those they care for genuinely feel they are in charge. And I just want to say a particular word about how we might achieve that kind of principle of personal design of care particularly when it comes to palliative care. In a compassionate society, patients, both adults and children, should be able to receive palliative care in the manner they wish, in the setting that they choose. Many would choose to be cared for at home, so we need to devise a system of funding which is responsive to their wishes, while being fair to all providers and affordable to the public purse. So today, I'm announcing a much needed review of dedicated palliative care funding to allow allow us to support us in introducing such a system. Tom Hughes-Hallett, who is the Chief Executive of Marie Curie Cancer Care, has agreed that he will lead this review. Now, bringing all those principles that I described together, of prevention, of protection, of personalisation and of partnership, we will bring those together, Paul and I and our colleagues, in the autumn Uh, in a vision for adult social care, including a renewed concordat on personalisation with the social care sector, Uh, and we are already uh, undertaking a fresh look at the carer's strategy and how we can make that uh, as effective, as fit for purpose as we can. Of course, we know that the state cannot rival carers in their detailed knowledge of a person's needs, nor can the state provide as broad a range of services as people really require. So, we want in all this to hear your views. We want to tap into the capacity and commitment that already exists in our communities. User led organisations, even if they are local, perhaps especially if they are local, but often just with a few people, can nonetheless provide a much broader mix of services without having to call always on formal state funded structures and resources. Now of course when it comes to dealing with the repercussions of the financial legacy that we inherited and in, I'm sure many people from here from around the world it are facing up to um, debt crisis like ours In fact, ours is amongst the worst that we have to face up to. The role of the state in that is crystal clear. We must recognise the overriding need to reduce the deficit and that will mean tough choices on public services. So we have a responsibility, all of us in provision of care services too with local government to ensure that our care is as efficient and as effective as possible. We have to maximise the potential of reablement, of telecare and other innovations which can dramatically improve people's lives Some local authorities have picked up this challenge, others have not We need to accelerate this change so that these services and that approach is the norm But of course increased efficiency in the system will only take us so far We need reform for the long term. We need to find a new settlement to the funding of social care. So we will establish an independent commission to consider how we can ensure responsible and sustainable funding for long-term care, which strikes a fair partnership between the state and the individual and their families, and which takes fully into account the vital role of families and their carers. We have to move reform forward apace. So the Commission will be established as soon as possible and will report within a year. We will then respond to the Commission's findings in a white paper in the autumn of next year. Despite the fiscal crisis we inherited, perhaps even more so because of it, we cannot let the reform of long-term care go into into the long grass. It's hard to overstate the importance of social care and of the selfless contribution that carers make. In this country, the carers' movement has been building for half a century. It's come a very long way, from an issue that was little understood to one, I hope, that is much better understood today. But, of course, the system has not always kept pace. It wasn't so long ago, just uh, 30 years ago, 1981, that the Association of Carers was refused registration as a charity because carers themselves were not recognised as a suitable charitable cause. There is a much better awareness today, yet reform needs to catch up. Today we are putting social care front and centre. It is recognised, as I said, fully in the coalition programme. And it is one of our priorities, our five priorities, for the Department of Health as a ministerial team. We will reform funding, we will reform legislation, and we will implement those reforms within this Parliament, within the next five years. I hope by doing that, not least, we will help all of you to meet the challenges ahead, not just because it is our social responsibility, but also because, as individuals, carers deserve nothing less. Thank you all very much indeed.